I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to be touched by God. What does it mean to be touched by God? And can God touch us wherever he finds us? Wherever he finds us. Uh, back in the summer, nobody should ever do this. People, we're insane. We went to Disney for two days with our girls. Why we went in July, I do not know. God intended Disney to be visited in January when the high is only 90. And so we went. We were at a conference in Orlando for, uh, about church planning. And so uh, Aaron came down. Haley was there working that conference. So we went to Disney for a couple of days. And we hit all four parks in two days, which means we were running. And uh, they talked Terry and I into riding Everest. Now, we had, you know, we've reached, listen, I was in youth ministry for 15 years. I've ridden more roller coasters than all of you combined. You know, because every time I'd get off one, some middle schooler would come and say, would you ride it with me? Okay, I'll get back in line. I did not know that Everest would start going backwards in the dark. There was a moment when I was confessing sins I had not committed. I was claiming everything. I was trying to say, where did I put my will? I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure it all out. But let, let me just ask you a question. You ever feel like you're going backwards in the dark? You ever have days when it feels like you've lost control? You ever had moments when it feels like the Lord may have abandoned you or forgotten you? or is busy listening to everybody else but you. We're going to look at Elijah today. Now, Elijah is normally a guy that we talk about with faith and courage. He's coming off a mountaintop experience. I mean, here's a guy who is brave. He is bold. He is courageous. He is a man of prayer. He has challenged King Ahab and wicked King Jezebel. I mean, here's a guy who's not afraid of anybody. He, he has prayed, and the rain has been withheld. For three years. He has called down fire from heaven. Then he goes and prays for the rain to return and a cloud about the size of a man's hand appears. I mean, this guy is in the hall of fame. He is a leader of leaders, a man of men. He is a man of courage, a man of faith, a man of prayer. So much so that on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is transfigured and Peter, James, and John are there, and two appear, Moses representing the law, and of all the prophets, Elijah represents the prophets. John the Baptist was one like Elijah. This is a guy that is a poster child for what it means to be a man of God. This is a man of character and of courage, but when you get to chapter 19, you wonder what happened to that guy. Let's just read it. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, the false prophets. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and even more if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, she's put out a death warrant on him. And he was afraid, circle that word afraid, and ran for 
his life. This is a guy that just hours before had stood before hundreds of false prophets and dared them, dared them. Now he's afraid and he's running for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and I want you to, don't miss this, and left his servant there. He left his servant there. He had a guy with him, now he's alone. That's a key thing here. He's isolated himself. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. And then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. That's another key. The journey where I'm about to take you is bigger than you. What I'm about to do with you is more than you can handle on your own. You need to pay attention. So, I'm, so he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and nights. Now he must have supersized that meal. And he went to Horeb, the mountain of God. I would guess that even after we've had an incredible week of refresh like we've had, I would guess that some of you, if you're honest, are at the end of your road. You're not in a mountain, you're in a valley. Your hope is gone, your strength is gone, you're weary, you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, and you may even think, although you might never say it publicly, I feel like God's let me down. You see, what you need today is not a touch from an angel. What you need today is a first touch or a fresh touch from Jesus. You need a first touch. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus because you're not going to fix your problems in your own strength. No matter how sharp you are, no matter how good you are, you're not going to fix those problems in your own strength. You need a first touch from Jesus for him to save you and to change your life. You may need a fresh touch from Jesus. So let's look at this. First of all, we need a touch of grace. Now, I, I, I love reading the Bible in context, because here's a guy who's been on a mountaintop. He's done a great thing for God. Uh, I have stood there multiple times on the mountain where Elijah called down fire. It sits right above the Valley of Armageddon. I mean, it is an incredible sight in Israel to go to. And, and I have been there, but I have not been to where he sat under that juniper tree. Same guy. And God doesn't say, Elijah, you sorry, no good bum. I mean, you just make me sick. No. Look, he, he didn't remind him of all the things he had done. He didn't remind him about the brook. He didn't remind him about how the widow's house. He didn't remind him about Mount Carmel. He didn't say, hey, buddy, hey, let's just go back. Just look on your calendar. What just happened? 
He let him rest. God could have said and been right in doing so. After all I've done for you, I've had it, and I'm out of here. God could have said that. God could have answered his prayer and just killed him. I mean, it's what he prayed, isn't it? Lord, just take my life. All right. That's what, aren't you glad God doesn't answer all your prayers? God, just take my life. It's not worth anything. I'm so down and I'm so discouraged. No, it says, and an angel touched him. What was that? That was a touch of grace. A grace that at that moment he did not deserve. But it was a touch of grace on his life. Now, not only do we need a touch of grace, we need a tender touch. And I know some of you, you just don't, you don't like anybody to touch you. But can I tell you something? There are moments in your life where you need a hug. And there are moments in your life where you need a shoulder to cry on. And there are moments in your life when you need permission to say, I'm not doing really good right now. Need a tender touch. You need people that, you, you don't need somebody at that moment when you're hurting and when you're down and when you're discouraged to say, hey, just get over it. You don't need that. What you need is, you, before they say get over it, you need somebody to say, I understand. I've been there. I know what that feels like. I've gone down that road. I, I know what it feels like to be discouraged and defeated. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, speaking of the angels, says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Now, I've never seen an angel, but I can tell you there have been moments in my life when I think God had, had sent one to minister. But I've got something even better than that. I've got the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you alone in your feelings. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Look at how Elijah was thinking. Verse 3, he was afraid and ran for his life. Verse 10, they seek my life. He had so convinced himself that things were bad, he, he thought the whole world was against him. Jezebel wants me dead, so he ran. He's afraid. He's depressed. He feels deserted. Verse 4, and he requested for himself that he might die. And then he said, oh, Lord, take my life. I mean, he, he just wants to die. He is so down. Off of that mountain, he is so down. He just says, Lord, I, just, I would just as soon die. Now, let me tell you why I think. This is my holy hunch. Why I think Elijah said that. I think he thought that the encounter on Mount Carmel and the fire coming down and destroying the false prophets would bring a national revival. It would bring a sweeping move of God. 
that all the problems of the false prophets and the lies and the deception would be over. I've dealt with it. I've stood my ground. I've called down fire from God. We've killed the false prophets. Now, we're free from all this stuff. Our culture is going to change overnight. And then Ahab goes and tells his wife, and she says, I'll tell you what I'll do. He kills the prophets. I'll kill him. You see, it's a danger to think that an event can fix your life. An event can begin a process that fixes your life. But the event can't. Refresh is an event, but it's, a, it's the beginning of a process. Or it's a continuation or another step in a process in your life of God growing you and maturing you and developing you and helping you to get rid of the baggage and the stuff that you carry because you weren't loved or you weren't blessed as a child or because you've not been encouraged or because you're going through a battle, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that's pulling you down that makes you feel like you're getting sucked through a keyhole, whatever that is, God is not a genie with three wishes in a bottle. He's not a magic wand that we wave. I mean, when you kneel down before God and say, God, here's my life, here's my problem. These are my issues. And Lord, I, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this pit. And God says, I'll help you. You still got to get up and face them. You got to deal with the reality of the moment and the effect of that moment on how you're going to be when you walk out of the room. Is it going to just come back and attack you? Is the, is the devil just going to snatch the seed of the Word of God off of your life before you even get home or before the end of a week? Or will it be the beginning of a process of the fruit of God's Word bearing fruit in your life? Let me tell you something. Discouragement and depression is not a sin. Some of God's great saints have dealt with it. It's not a sin. Job cursed the day of his birth. Jeremiah cursed the day of his birth. David said, my tears have been my food day and night. But here's what discouragement and depression will do to you. It will make you irrational. You will lose perspective. When you get discouraged and depressed, all of a sudden, everything good that God has done for your life goes out the window. And you forget it. That's why we're told to remember because we tend to forget. Remember, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why we read the Psalms because David is often in the pits. But before he gets to the end of that Psalm, he's praising God. Why? Because he's put God over his circumstances, not God under his circumstances. And some of us have put God under our circumstances and we've let the world and the flesh and the devil influence how we think about life. God could have said to him, well, son, if you want to die, you should just stay where you were and Jezebel would have taken care of that. Why did you run? If you really wanted to die, she wanted to kill you, that meeting could have been arranged. But he ran. Elijah really didn't want to die. He just didn't know what to do. And so, some of you are in verse 7. 
and you feel like the journey is too great for you. You're worn out. You're out of balance. You're tired. You're weary. You're worn down. Life and the daily grind of life has just beaten you down to where you wonder if you can hold your head up. And the, the problem is that the devil starts to whisper, don't ever let anybody know you're like that because then you're not spiritual. Can I just say that Elijah ended up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he had a moment like that. And it's recorded in the Word of God for us to know it. You see, every great person that God used in the Bible had flaws. You can't find, the only perfect person in the Bible is Jesus. Nobody else was perfect. So, as Chuck Swindoll said years ago, the only thing that belongs on pedestals are flowers and the bust of dead men. Nobody belongs on a pedestal. Don't put yourself on one. It's just easy to fall off. All of us, at some point, have had a moment when we've said, I don't know if it's worth it. And what we do is we look for something to build us up and to strengthen us emotionally, but God is trying to strengthen us in our spirit, in the inner man, at the deep, at the core of our being. And part of that is renewing the way we think. And so we need a personal touch. The angel gave him sleep. He was exhausted. This guy had been on the mountaintop. He's worn out mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. By the way, he's just run 18 miles. He outran a chariot. I mean, this guy's booking it. He outran a chariot. I mean, he, he's running a 100-yard dash in a marathon. He's running hard. So he's run... He's left his servant, and he keeps going probably about another 90 miles by himself. And then when he leaves the servant, he goes another 20 miles, and so the guy's tired. I mean, he's, he's exhausted. He's been running. He's had this mountaintop experience. I mean, the, the adrenaline and the emotion of that moment is gone, and he's got to refuel, and he's got to refocus, and, and he's got to get his wind back at his back, and he's worn out, and he needs to sleep, so God lets him sleep. That's why our rule around here is the 11th commandment says, thou shalt take a nap on Sunday afternoon. You know, sometimes a nap will cure a lot of problems. He just needs a good night's sleep. So God lets him sleep. He needed food, so the angel provided food. He needs to regain his strength. And, and the Bible speaks about these angels ministering, but that's a rare occasion. Can I tell you? That's why you need the body of Christ. And I know, and don't, don't get overly spiritual on me. Well... You know, I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and he's my strength, and he's my comfort. Yes, he is. But you need some brothers and sisters in Christ, too. Sometimes you need to see God with skin on. 
Sometimes you need to see the hands and feet of Jesus. And can I tell you something? That's why we have Bible study on Sunday mornings. Because you're never going to get to know everybody in this room. But you're going to know people in your Sunday school class, and you're going to develop relationships with them and friendships with them. And when you're in a crisis and when you're in trouble and when you need help, guess who's going to come help? It's going to be that Sunday school class. They're going to be the ones that help. They're going to be the ones that minister to you. They're going to be the ones that encourage you because you've got skin in the game with them. They know you. You've been honest. Listen, Bible study is more about relationships and evangelism and outreach than it is anything else. That's why you need to connect and be involved. That's why it doesn't need to be an optional thing. Well, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll go to a big church, but I'm, I'm not going to go to that. You need to know people because there will come a day in your life when it's a train wreck. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? You're going to need help. You're going to need people that know you. You're going to need a connection with people. That's why it's not enough to just attend a church. You ought to join a church because you're a part of a family, but you ought to be a part of a smaller group. And revival and awakening and encouragement often comes from people who have also been at a breaking point and found God to be faithful. Because what the devil will do is he'll get you away from your servant. He'll get you away from everybody and he'll isolate you over here. And he'll say, well, you're all alone. And nobody's ever felt like this but you. And when you get around other people, you, you find out they felt that way. They've been there. You see, blessings come out of brokenness. And broken people can bless people. Because they're not full of themselves. They realize that they need the Lord. People touched by God are used to touch people who need a touch from God. People touched by God are used to touch people who need a touch from God. You see, you need others and others need you. You need people. Oh, not me. I'm, you know... I'm, I'm Dodge Ram tough. Yeah, you're going to have a flat tire one day and no lug wrench. Then what are you going to do? You're going to pick up that truck on your back or are you going to call for help? You see, you need God and you need people. God did not make us to operate in isolation. God made us to operate as a family not just doing our own thing and living our own lives and running unaccountable to anybody and everybody, but God made us to work alongside each other and to love each other and to encourage each other. So you don't just need a personal touch, you need a powerful touch. God had more for Elijah to do. Now here's, here's what we would say. Well, you know, Elijah, you remember old Elijah? Old Elijah, I tell you what, he was a good guy. I tell you, those last few years, he wasn't worth much. I tell you, you know, Elijah, he did some great things, but boy, I tell you what, you get to chapter 19, he's worthless. But that's not the last word about Elijah. 
The last word is not this moment of discouragement and depression. There's a new assignment, and he needed power for the journey, so he ate and he drank. That's practical. God works in practical ways. But that food had something in it. Look at it again, verse 8. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Elijah says, I'm through. God says, not yet. He says, I'm done. God says, no, you're not. He says, I've had it. God says, there's more for you to do. God, he says, I quit. God says, you can't. You can't quit. I'm not going to let you quit. I'm going to let you have this moment. I'm going to understand the frailty of your flesh. I'm going to understand that you're drained physically and mentally and emotionally, but I am not going to leave you there. I've got more for you to do. So he got up and he got to Horeb and he got a new assignment. Look at verse 11. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of gentle blowing. Here's where we bought a lie. Man, I got to be pumped up. I got to be jacked up. I got to be, I got to be fired up. That's emotional. You'll come down from that. Where God meets you is not always in the earthquake, in the rocks breaking up, and in the fire. God meets you when you're alone with Him and there's a gentle breeze blowing. And you sense a refreshing move of the Lord to say, I know, I see, and I care. I know what you're going through. I see. I'm going to let you have this moment, but I'm not going to let you stay here. You've got to get up. Verse 9 and verse 13. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you here? What are you doing here? Elijah found that there was a fresh touch from God. But what God was saying is, Elijah... You're not going to have the last word on this. I'm going to have the last word on this. And by the way, Elijah, I'm not leaving you here in your pity. Verse 19, uh, verse 15. Th this is incredible. Go back the way you came. Listen, an angel touched him, but God spoke to him. You might need an angel to touch you, but what you really need is for God to speak to you. Go back the way you came. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Retrace where I've taken you. Retrace it. Go back 
all that way. You walk oh, you mean I gotta go, Lord, I whew, that was like 18 miles and then 90 miles and then 18 miles. And, could could you like send a a truck or something to pick me up? No, you go back just the way you can. I want you to walk, I want you to retrace your steps. Because as you're retracing your steps while you were going, the whole time you were going here, you're saying, I just wish I could die. I just feel so bad. I'm just terrible. I just can't believe this way. This is, I just can't. I, I feel so sorry for myself. There's nobody here. My servant's not here. I'm all here by myself. I just feel so terrible. And God said, now, walk back. You'll find your footprints right there. Go back the way you came. Walk back and say, I've got a new assignment. I've got a new job. I've got a new responsibility. I've got a new calling on my life. I've got something God wants me to do. I've got someplace God wants me to go. There's a purpose for my life. God's given me breath. He didn't take my life. And since he's given me breath, there's something that he's got for me to do. You retrace it and you go back. So you've got to retrace your steps and you've got to remember how God provided God gave him food that lasted him for 40 days. Remember all the provisions of God. Reflect, remember, retrace. Oh, and uh, get back to what I saved you to do. Get back to what I called you to do. So here's Elijah. All the time he's oh gosh, this is so terrible. I'm so bad. I just I can't believe it. I'm just oh I just wish I, I just dying would be better than this. Remember, retrace, reflect, go back. I'm out here all alone. Go back. Remember what happened to him on the way back? He picked up Elisha. Listen. If you'll remember, if you'll reflect, and you'll retrace, God will put somebody in your path that'll help you with the assignment. Elijah didn't say, well, it's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. I'd like to share my testimony. It's just me and Jesus. No. He met Elisha. And by the way, Elisha did more miracles than Elijah did. God never gives you assignment alone. You need somebody to walk with you. You need somebody to talk to you. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to encourage you. You need somebody to lift you up. God, when, he, when God says, no, go. Go back the way you came. Get back on the right path. When God tells you to do that, he always sends somebody alongside you. And it may not be anybody you're looking for because God didn't say. And by the way, there's a guy named Elisha. He lives at this address, and you'll be able to find him. He just found him. So how are you today? Honestly. You discouraged? Are you defeated? Were you hoping for a magic pill at Refresh? But you never really just said to the Lord, Lord, here's honestly where I am. And God said, that's okay. But I'm not leaving you here long. You have to get up and go back to work. You have to get up and do what I called you to do.
Would you stand with me with heads bowed and eyes closed? I want to invite you, if you're here this morning and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you to step out and to come and find one of these men and say, I need to trust Christ today. I need a first touch from Jesus today. I need to be saved. I've been trying to fight these battles. I've been trying to deal with these emotions all on my own, all in my own strength. And I need to trust God today. I need to give my life to him. So I want to encourage you just to step out from where you are. People will let you by. And just to step out and say to one of these men at the front, today, I need to trust Christ. I'm in a mess. My life is messed up. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I I feel like a train wreck. I, I, I just need Jesus. But even though we've been through four days of refresh, some of you need a fresh touch from heaven. You need a fresh touch from Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to come to this altar this morning, just to step out right now and come. You don't need anybody singing right in this moment. I'm just going to invite you to step out and come because some of you lost what you got in refresh by the time you got to Thursday morning because you're trying to live on emotions. You're trying to live off secondhand experiences, but God is trying to feed you. God is trying to feed you. He's trying to change you from the inside out. He's got a job for you to do. He's got an assignment for you. He's got a purpose for you. Don't miss it by living by emotions. Let him renew your mind. Let him renew your heart. Let him renew your steps with him. Let him renew your walk. Just step out and just come right now.